Good morning. Happy Monday. It's October 3rd, one day before my birthday. And today we're going to talk about power. Do you truly have the power to overcome sin in your life? Oftentimes, you know, I hear people say, listen, I want to change so bad, but I just can't, I can't pull myself out of this sin. I just can't do it. But is there a lesson we can learn from the scriptures, from the story of Cain and Abel regarding the power that we do have to overcome sin? That's what we're going to talk about this morning on Bible Study Live. Uh, we're going to read a little bit of Genesis 4. So let's get rolling. Well, good morning and welcome to Bible Study Live with Matt. I am Matt. And uh, today we're going to study the Bible live. Uh, we're going to really quickly, and I mean really quickly, we're going to dig into uh, Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. As always, remember the whole point of Bible study live isn't for me to go, look at what I know. It's to go, hey, let's uh, create some conversation without condemnation. I don't profess to get it all right all the time. Uh, anybody who does should make you a little bit nervous. But um, today we're going to read about the story of Cain and Abel. We're going to talk about the power we have to overcome sin. We're going to look at what God said to Cain about this. We're going to look at the actions of Cain and Abel and see what we can take away from it. Today I'm going to read from the New English Translation, mostly because I like the translator's notes, but if you're reading from the NIV, New King James, any of that, you're fine. Um, I will say this though, keep in mind the King James, New King, King James, they um, they pulled their, um, like the initial manuscripts that they use are from, if I'm not mistaken, the Textus Receptus. And um, since there have been older um, transcripts found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. They're not necessarily the most uh, accurate translations. I mean, sometimes they're missing a few things uh, in them, or rather they have, uh, in some areas, they have some things added that weren't there in the earlier manuscripts. doesn't make them bad, just just means, um, you know, it's, it's helpful sometimes to look at multiple translations to really get a grasp of text and context. But today we're going to look at the New English Translation, and we're going to dig into the story of Cain and Abel. So let's uh, pick up on verse uh, chapter four, verse one. So, oh, by the way, so the the last uh, last Bible study live that we did last week, we were just talking about how Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, and how being sent out of the garden was God's way, not 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 just a punishment to say, oh, well, you're no longer allowed to have good things, right? It's not like God was saying you're the reason we can't have nice things, uh, but it was more that because Adam and Eve had taken from the tree the knowledge of good and evil. The first thing they noticed was they were naked and what happened, they felt shame that God sending them out of the garden and saying, we can't leave them in here. What if they eat from the tree uh, of life and they're going to live forever? That it, it seems more that it was an act of mercy on God's part to say, listen, if they eat from that tree of life while they're living in this sinful nature, they're never going to escape the pain and the hurt and the shame. So now we see the story of their sons and that's what we're picking up on today. So. Here we go. It says, now the man was intimate with his wife Eve. Ooh, starting off saucy. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. Then she said, I've created a man just as the Lord did. Pause. You know what I love right here about this? I love that Eve recognized. So when we read in the scriptures, you know, God said, let's make man and image, man and woman in our image. It said, so he created them male and female in his image. He created them. And so I think it's really cool because um, if you tuned in last week, you know, as we started this new season of Bible study live, uh, one of the first things when we read in the Bible, it's like God created, and then he made us in his image so we could create. And I love that Eve acknowledges 
I've created a man just as the Lord did. I just think that's cool. Uh, it says that, and I don't know what her motivation, maybe she's like, yes, I'm like God. I don't know. But I just love like when, when you look at the text, the acknowledgement, like God created and look, I, I could create, this is cool. Um, it says, then she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Abel took care of the flocks while Cain cultivated the ground. As the design, at the designated time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground for an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought some of his, the firstborn of his flock, even the fattest of them. And the Lord was pleased with him, Abel, and his offering. But with Cain and his offering, he was not pleased. So Cain became very angry and his expression was downcast. Let's look at this really quick with these words. Um, so first uh, it says at the designated time, let's just speak at that. Okay. And it happened at the end of days, passing the set period. No big deal there. Uh, but Abel brought, let's see, Abel brought also he, okay, not the just language stuff there. Uh, ah, even the fattest, two prepositional phrases, the kind of sacrifice that Abel brought from the firstborn, from the fattest of the firstborn. Okay, so let's talk for just a second here about these two offerings that were brought. Now, number one, let's be honest and acknowledge God doesn't need the offerings, right? God creates. He doesn't need the fruit that Cain brought. He doesn't need the fattened calf that Abel brought. But really, these offerings were a way uh, for human beings, for Cain and Abel at that time to acknowledge everything comes from God. So let me bring the first fruits, if you will, the, the first, the first and the best. Let me just say, Hey God, let me give you back the first and the best, because I know you're always going to keep providing enough. And I, I love, I love how intentional it seems, uh, that Moses was, the author was, in, in saying, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground for an offer. Some of the fruit of the ground uh, as an offering. So as a tribute to the Lord, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground, but Abel brought the firstborn, even the fattest. Cain, it, it almost, it seems as though Moses is implying, Cain brought his leftovers, Abel brought his best. You know, it's funny. You look at this, uh, fast forward all the way to the time of Jesus' first miracle um, when he turned the water into wine and then the uh, the, the party host fella, um, party planner guy, he, he says, hey, listen, everybody, normally at a wedding, when people are drunk, then the host will bring out like the, the cheap stuff, right? But at this party, the host brought the best out afterwards. Like when they didn't have to, they brought the best. And to me, when I look at this Cain and Abel story, it just made me think of that because it's like, God didn't need any of it. So what's the heart behind it? The heart behind it is to, to give your very best. And, um, and I just want to, I want to, I want to sit in this moment for a second because let's think of life today, right? Everything we have, the breath in our lungs, the, the, the family we have, the companies that we've created, the job that you have, if you're not a, an entrepreneur or self-employed person, all of these are a gift from God. So when we move forward in that life, when you move forward in your marriage, are you giving your best to your spouse? When you move forward as a parent, are you giving your best to your children? In your business, are you giving your best? Are you working your hardest? Are you doing your, your darndest? To, to provide the best you have and not because 
it's an obligation, but because you recognize that God has given you his best and you want to give your best. I think that's what I take away right from the beginning of this Cain and Abel story is that Abel seemed to have this recognition. This is all from God. Let me give my best to him. Whereas Cain almost seems to be operating in a scarcity mindset because he just brought him some of the fruit of the ground for an offering. It's like, I'll just bring my leftovers. Like, oh, I better hang on to stuff. Who, who knows what, what the motivation was behind it. But let's continue reading. So it says, uh, but with Cain and his offering, God wasn't pleased. So Cain became very angry. It says, and it, it was hot to Cain was actually the Hebrew, meaning he burned with anger. So he wasn't just mad. He burned with anger. And who was the anger toward? God, right? He was angry that God didn't like what he brought him. And it says his expression was downcast. Let's just look at that too. And his face fell. Idiom means that the anger is reflected in Cain's expression. So we could he, like God could see it on his face, right? So the interesting thing about that when I read it that stands out to me is it seems like not only was Cain mad, but he wanted people to know how mad he was. He wanted it to be evident that he was not pleased with how God responded. Whew, that seems like an arrogant thing to do, doesn't it? It says, then, verse 6, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your expression downcast? Is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine? Let's just look at what true and fine say here in the NET. As if he would have known this. Okay, so it's it's an interrogative particle that prods the answer from Cain, like as if Cain should have known it. So not a condemnation, but an encouragement to Cain. Can we pause there? Sometimes we can read the Bible and we can feel like, oh, is God being harsh? Is God being condemning? And then we look at Jesus and the woman caught in adultery and Jesus is like, where are your condemners? Oh no, they've gone. Well, then I don't condemn you either, but don't do this anymore. It's almost like the same thing right here with Cain that God is saying, why are you angry? Why are you upset about what's happening here? Like, if you think about that question, Cain is the one that was in control of it, right? God, so I, when I picture this in my mind, I picture this like God going, hey man, why are you ticked off? You, you have complete control over how this situation is going to go, how our relationship is going to play out. Like you have the power. Cain, you had the power. Like, hey man, you had the power. And God says, isn't it true that if you do what's right, you'll be fine? Like, isn't it true? Like, the God is saying this, like, you know this already, right? You, you've got control of this. So isn't it you who chose the outcome? Now, why, why would I hang on this for a minute? Let's think about life right now. Well, actually, let's read the next part, and then we'll think about it. He says, is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. Listen, God's saying to Cain, right? Listen, why are you the one that's mad? Why, why are you walking around with a face letting the world know you're mad? Isn't it true that if you do the right thing, everything works out? Like, but if you don't do what's right, and I love this because God says, isn't, isn't it true? If you do the right thing, it's all going to come out okay. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but if you do not do what's right, meaning if you make the choice to, to, to depart from my plan, if you make the choice to go the wrong way, to do what's not right, 
Sin is crouching at the door. The Hebrew term translated from uh, translated crouching is, uh, and I'll mangle the word, but it's rovets. It's an active part of sin. Sin is portrayed like a like an angry animal that is ready to attack, ready to attack. Like uh, I, this says, uh, an Akkadian uh, cognate refers to a type of demon. In this case, uh, some could could translate sin is the demon at the door. Okay, so thinking of it that way, God is saying to Cain, look, if you do what's right. Things will work out okay. But if you're if you're choosing wrong, if you're choosing the wrong path, if you do not do what is right, if we and I think that applies to us today, when we know we're going the wrong way, when we know we're we're walking into sin, we're walking away from God. Sin is like the demon at the door. It is a, a crouching tiger waiting to maul us, to take us into areas of pain and wounding that we can't recover from. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean God won't be there for us. It doesn't mean he won't comfort us. But we, the wounds we carry, we have such a hard time giving those to God. When we've made bad, sinful choices, sin is waiting to attack us. And God says this to Cain, if you do not do what is right, sin is crashing at the door. It desires to dominate you. And here's the words I want us to cling on today, though, and I love this. He says, it desires to dominate you. So what desires to dominate you? Sin. But he says to Cain, you must subdue it. Now, if God is saying to Cain, but you must subdue it, that means Cain has the power to subdue sin. Hold on, I'm going to let you marinate on that while I take a drink of my apple macchiato. Oh, nope, it's the caramel apple crisp. Just kidding. Listen, if God said to Cain, if you don't do what's right, sin's crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. It means you can subdue it. It means Cain could subdue it. It means we could subdue it. The Hebrew actually literally means, and toward you is its desire, but you must rule over it. Let me say it again. You must rule over it. The Hebrew noun desire refers to an urge to control or dominate. According to the New English Translations translators, it refers to a desire uh, the word desire refers to an urge to control or dominate. And here that desire is the one that Cain, uh, it, that sin has for Cain, the desire for sin to control Cain for the sake of evil. But God is saying, but you must have mastery over it. Now, here's the beautiful thing. It, it's like God is saying you are capable of overcoming it. You are capable of this. You have the power to overcome this, Cain. And I feel like God's saying the same thing to us today. Like, look, sin is a mess. Uh, Tadashi said this, how to overcome. Like I was in a fight after uh, that, the guy apologized and I forgave him. And that time, uh, but I regret, but I still regret forgiving him. And that's hard, right? Let's, let's be honest. Let's uh, thank you, by the way, for sharing that Tadashi. Thank you for, for just being vulnerable with that. Uh, listen, here's the thing. While you may feel regret for forgiving somebody, the reality is forgiving somebody is being like Christ. And so to say, I regret offering forgiveness is to, it, I mean, think of it this way, maybe. Could it, could it, could it also be like saying, man, I regret, if, if I say, I regret offering forgiveness, am I saying I regret choosing to follow Christ? Now, maybe regret's not the right word. Maybe you're saying, listen, I, I forgave the person after the fight. Uh, but, but when I look back on it, I'm still upset about the fight. Like, that, I think it's a natural feeling. 
to say, you know, the person, they still hurt me. Like I choose to forgive them. I'm not going to carry a grudge. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go after them anymore, but I'm still wounded. I mean, that's okay. It takes time to heal. Right. Uh, but I, man, I appreciate that, that analogy. That's a good analogy. Like if you're in a fight and somebody apologized, but you, but you don't want to forgive them afterwards. The beautiful thing is like, even though Cain made a very bad mistake here, we're going to see what God does in spite of what Cain does. But I, I, I want to point out to all of us, and, and when I wrestle with this, I'm wrestling with it for me, okay? Um, I'm wrestling with it for me. And I think it's so true. When I choose to do what isn't right, sin is waiting to attack me, and it does want to dominate me. And if I'm not careful, it will. But I love it because God says, but you... You must subdue it, which means you have the power to subdue it, which means I have the power to win over sin. Oh, Pastor Bobby would be so proud of me for that rhyme. It wasn't even intentional. I have the power to win over sin. You have the power to win over sin. Because God says you do. And God created you and I in his image. And God has the power to win over sin. So do you and I. So let's continue here. Verse 8, Cain said to his brother, let's go out in the field. While they were out in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So here we go. God says to Cain, listen, sin's waiting. Sin is waiting at the door. It wants to dominate you, but you must subdue it. God was giving Cain a warning about this just one sentence ago in what Moses wrote down. But what happens? It seems as though Cain ignored what God had warned him about. Because Cain took his brother out in the field and killed him. Then the Lord says to Cain, where's your brother Abel? Where's your brother Abel? Let's quicken this. Where is Abel, your brother? And the Lord confronts a guilty sinner with a rhetorical question, asking for an explanation. God obviously knew where Abel was, but Cain needed to face this. And so God says to him, where's your brother? And he replied, I don't know. Am I my brother's guardian? I, other thing, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am in uh, New Jack City. Am I the one guarding my brother? Cain lies when responding with a defiant rhetorical question of his own. So God asks Cain a rhetorical question that he knows the answer to. Uh, where's your brother? And then Cain responds seemingly sarcastically with a rhetorical question of his own. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's guardian? Am I supposed to be watching him? But Cain knows the answer. Yes, yes, he is supposed to be. But the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And so now what does God do? He says, now you're banished from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you try to cultivate the ground, it'll no longer yield its best for you. You will be a homeless wanderer on earth. Stop, stop, hard stop right here. Let's pause on this for one second here. I think this is important. What did Cain bring to God? His best or not his best? He brought not his best, right? Abel brings his first and best as a tribute to the Lord. Cain brings just some stuff, not his first, not his best, seemingly his leftovers. And so what is the result? Cain kills his brother. Cain lets sin overpower him. He goes the road of sin. And what is the result of that? God says, when you try and cultivate the ground, it'll no longer yield its best for you. You'll be a homeless wanderer on earth. Cain didn't give his best. And so what he got in return was not the best. Cain had the power to overcome sin and experience 
God's best in the world that they lived in. In spite of the world being fallen, in spite of the sin in the world, now sin attacking, in spite of it, Cain still could have experienced God's best. But Cain chose a different path. Cain chose to do what was not right in his offering and in the murdering of his brother. And the result that he got was now, no matter how hard he worked, he was not going to experience the best that the ground had to offer him. It seems to ring true today, doesn't it? We don't give our best. We don't get the best in return. God always wants his best for you and I. And we may work our butt off and we may give our best. And sometimes it doesn't give us the outcome we desire. But God desires for us to experience the fullness of the relationship with him, just like he desired for Cain and Abel and Adam and even everybody in this story, everyone in the world. God would love a relationship. He would love for all of us to repent, turn toward him, and experience the best life he's got planned for us. And that's what he wanted for Cain as well. But Cain chose to not do what was right, and sin was crouching at the door waiting to devour him. And Cain did not do what he was capable of. He didn't take control and subdue the sin and overpower sin and rule over the sinful nature inside him. He didn't rule over his flesh. He didn't take the thoughts captive. He went, you know what? I'm mad and I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. And he took out his brother. And there was the consequence it was now the ground will no longer yield its best for you. Cain, the farmer, the, the man who would have to make a life farming. But now Cain is freaked out because he said to the Lord, verse 13, my punishment's too great to endure. Just endure this say. Great is my punishment from bearing. All right. Just look. I'm just looking at like comparative sense. Punishment, primary word in that sin. Sin iniquity. Uh, too great is the guilt. Punishment for sin. So he says, listen, it's too much for me to carry. He says, look, you're driving me off of the land. I have to hide from your presence. I'm going to be a homeless wanderer. Notice God didn't say you have to hide from me. Can we just stop there? Cain's response. And this is what sin does to all of us, God. Man, when we, when we sin, we feel shame, right? That was the first thing that happened with Adam and Eve. And notice God didn't say to Cain, I'm sending you out of here and you have to hide from me. God just said, now your life's going to be harder because of the choices you made, bro. And what does Cain say? Oh, I got to hide from your presence. What? But God, God didn't say that. God said, you're going to be a homeless wanderer. God said, you're, you're going to work hard and you're never going to get the results you want because of the choices you made. But God did not say you have to hide from me. But sin makes us feel like I'm so ashamed. And because I'm not worthy of God's love, I need to hide from him. But when we hide from somebody, they and they don't, and yes, God sees everything. So I'm using anthropomorphic language, human language here, right? If you hide from a person, they can't find you to give you whatever it is they want to give you. If God wants to give you love and you're hiding from him, how can you receive his love, right? Metaphorically speaking, hiding could be ignoring him. Hiding could be la, 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 la. I know I sounded like I was speaking in tongues. I make fun of that a lot, mostly because I think it's weird. Uh, but I love people who believe that babbling is a special language. I still love them. I disagree with them theologically, but God bless them. Hiding from God 
can be looked at in a bunch of different ways. But basically, if you think of it this way, sin has made Cain feel he needs to hide from the Lord. But God never told him that. Cain says, I must hide from your presence. He says, I'll be a homeless wanderer on earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Now watch how God responds to that because God just banished and said, you're banished from the land. You're not going to get, you know, you're going to work. The land is never going to produce its best for you anymore. Cain's like, oh God, I got to hide from you. People are going to kill me. And God says this. All right, then if anyone kills Cain, Cain will be avenged seven times as much. And then watch this. It says, oh, let me share this with you so you can read for yourself. Okay. If anyone kills Cain, Cain will be avenged seven times as much. It says, then the Lord put a special mark on Cain so that no one who found him would strike him down. So Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Can we just, can we just talk about this for one minute? I just want to wrap with this. In spite of Cain bringing God not his best, we don't know if it was the last leftover. So it was, I, we, it seems like we get in for that, but the truth is we don't know what we brought him. All we know is it wasn't his best, right? It just said he brought, it brought God, he brought God some of the stuff from the ground and it seems God wasn't pleased. So God knew it wasn't the best Cain had or the first, whatever we know. Cable brought his back. Uh, Abel brought his best. Cain kills Abel. Cable's er, cable. Cain is all angry and butthurt about God, not being pleased with his offering. So he goes and kills his brother for it. Instead of looking in the mirror, okay, this so much of this applies to how we live today, how we choose to respond to others today. Cain doesn't do his best. He doesn't get the results that he wants, which is God's pleasure. God telling him, great job, Cain, like he did to Abel. And instead of Cain going, you know, it's probably because I just didn't step up. It's probably because I needed to man up and I didn't. And so God's upset with me instead. Oh, well, Abel, oh. like, oh, and why he, Cain's reaction to go and attack his brother because he didn't get the response he wants. Look at this world today. Look how often we do that. We don't get the response we want, uh, whether it's from our spouse, whether it's at work, you don't get the promotion you wanted. And, and, and is your first response to go, am I really? stepping up and going above and beyond? Am I showing my desire for this promotion? Or am I just butthurt because they gave it to, to so-and-so instead, right? And then we get mad, oh, they don't do enough, and they're not, they shouldn't have got this, and they shouldn't have got that, and they don't deserve this, and they don't. The way we see life functioning today, it was happening back then. Cain didn't step up. Abel got, you know, props for it. God wasn't happy with Cain's offering. And instead of Cain going, well, let me, let me see if I can try again. Hey God, hold on. Let me try again. Let me, let me show you how much I value this relationship. Let me show you that God, instead of any of that, Cain goes, Abel, let me kill him and get him out of the way. And when he kills him, Hey, where's your brother? <laughs> where's my brother? What am I the one that's supposed to keep track of him? Yeah. Yeah, you are your family. You're supposed to take care of each other. It's why you have this life together. Because of what you did, the ground will never yield for you. It's best anymore. You who didn't bring your best, you who then killed somebody else, there are consequences to your choice. He didn't say, though, you won't eat. He didn't say you, you won't survive. God just said you won't have the best life possible because your choice has consequences. Friends, listen. Uh, I, uh, I spent the first 24 years of my life not walking with God. 
And then I walked with them for years. And then I spent another six where I walked away. I pulled a, pulled a cane and I walked away. I didn't kill my brother, by the way. They're all alive. Even with some of them, I've had those moments where I would have liked to. Um, <laughs> so I didn't do a cane did. In many ways, I killed my relationship with God. I wounded it very much so. And to this day, while I am forgiven and redeemed and restored, there are wounds that will last a lifetime. There are things that I want to unburden myself from, and I, I have to repeatedly, as Satan tries to place them on my shoulders, as sin like a crouchy lion waits to, to throw that guilt and shame on me, I, I have to heave it back off and say, here, God, take it. And we all are going to experience those moments. So don't think like, man, but I still feel this guilt and this regret keep coming back. Just keep giving it back to God. See, God, in spite of everything that Cain did, in spite of his lackluster offering, in spite of the sin he committed against his brother, Cain's like, great, now somebody's going to kill me. It's interesting that Cain's worry was that someone would do to him what he did to his brother. It just shows that he knew what he did to his brother wasn't okay. And how does God respond? Does he say, Cain, you're right, and I hope somebody takes you out because you deserve it? Nope. God put a mark on him and let him know if anybody comes after you, if they were to kill you, they're going to seven times over, seven times over. Man, that's going to be rough. Anyone that kills Cain will be avenged seven times as much. In spite of Cain making the wrong decisions, in spite of a most grievous sin, God didn't give up on Cain. He still protected him, which means he showed that he still loved him in spite of his horrible life choices. And that's what should offer us hope today, my friends. Here's the deal. You ain't perfect. Neither am I. We have all made mistakes. We've all got different things that sin would like us to still feel shame for, even though we've chosen a new life. But remember this. The scriptures say that we are made new in Christ Jesus. Your life is made new. Now, it may not always feel like it. You may still feel temptation. You may still feel some guilt and some shame over the past choices you've made. But as long as those choices stay in the past, they are no longer yours to carry. Those are old choices in the past. That is who you were, not who you are. God loves you. And he's constantly giving you another chance to do right things and choose his way. There is hope for you yet, my friends. There is hope for you and me right now in Jesus. So can I encourage you today? If you're not walking with Jesus, it's never too late. Make the choice today to say, God, I want to know you. I want to, I want to know Jesus. I want to, I want to accept what he did for me. I want to walk with him. I want a new life. Ask and listen and be patient. And when you are faced with those choices that you know aren't the right thing to do, just like Cain knew it wasn't. My microphone likes to jump away. It's way too springy. When you're faced with those decisions where sin is trying to tempt you and draw you into something that will lead to consequences, remember that God has given you the power to rule over those sinful desires. He has given you the power to overcome, which means the choice is yours. Will you choose to overcome that sin? 
or will you choose to step deeper in it and carry the weight of the consequences even longer? Remember this, you don't have to step into that sin and you don't have to carry those consequences. Today could be your day, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, you were just one moment away from walking a little closer with Christ. Make today that day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Bible Study Live. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Uh, if you thought this is valuable, please share it with somebody else. Um, and last but certainly not least, if you have not got a copy of my wife and I's new book for this reason, for this reason, I love in Ephesians 5 marriage, you can uh, text the word love to 833-981-0002. It will reply back with a link on Amazon for you to be able to grab a copy of our book. Uh, it's $9.99 in paperback. If you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can read it for free, but we'd love it if you'd read it and leave us an honest review. Uh, again, you can text the word love to 833-981-0002. And of course, to make sure that I'm compliant with this message, standard messaging and data rates apply, frequency varies. There you go. Listen, thanks again for tuning in. Love you guys. I appreciate you. And I will see you on Bible Study Live tomorrow.